episode 23 of Talent Jackie. You're listening to Talent Talk Podcast, Podcast, a show for job seekers, recruiters, and hiring managers, trying to determine if dark matter is related to the recruiting black hole. Your host, Sean Kelly. Welcome to Talent Jockey, a podcast for recruiters, hiring managers, and job seekers. I'm your host, Sean Kelly, and I'll provide insight into the world of talent acquisition. Welcome to the show. Uh, For those of you that haven't uh, heard before or are first tuning in, thank you for doing that. Today's topic, candidate experience. This is one that has been eating away at me for quite some time. And I'll go into a little bit of detail uh, about the candidate experience, why it's important, how to improve it, especially. Um, And, you know, let's define it first, right? But before I get to that, uh, I'm going to tell you why it's been burning away at me personally, uh, aside from being just a recruiter. So not too long ago, um, in case uh, you are not in my network and aren't aware, I did land a different position at a different organization here in the Madison, Wisconsin region. Um, So having said that, before I landed the position I'm currently in, which has been about 10 weeks at this point, um, dropping this on 4th of July weekend, I started looking at other opportunities um, for a couple different reasons. One was just the job satisfaction that I had at, at one organization, um, but also to find out what other people were doing, uh, other organizations, other recruiters were doing as it pertained to the candidate experience. Um and attracting talent into their organization. So in other words, I would apply to a position that I thought was up my alley with the goal of either landing the position and if I didn't land the position to actually find out more about the company, more about the recruiting process, how they recruited, what my experience was through that. And I actually put a spreadsheet together and started elaborating. Uh, So I had a spreadsheet and what I would do is I would make notes and columns and start tracking my candidate experience. So before I get into that, let me kind of, you know, define what candidate experience is, at least to me. But, you know, the, just this, the title candidate experience, a little rhetorical, obviously in nature, but it's the experience a person goes through in order to land a paid position within an organization. Um, And I think it starts at finding the opportunity and then through the application process and then ultimately just past the start date, Um, probably soon after arrival and onboarding begins, okay, internally. Um, That's how I would look at it. Um, Some others may define it a little bit differently. And that experience obviously is either going to be good or bad or, or maybe not so much. Now, having said that, this going back to the spreadsheet, I would have a column of where I would find the posting. So what website, um, you know, what job alert was it on LinkedIn? Did I receive it in an email from a particular website? What have you? Maybe it was a person and it was a referral. And then I would note that. And then I would note when I applied. And when I apply, when I applied, I would note 
what if there was a platform they were using, like an applicant tracking system or a particular website, maybe it was apply via LinkedIn, so I could import that LinkedIn information with like a one click, I would make note of that. And then I would also make note of the application online, right? So maybe I went to their website and I had to create an account. Did I have to create an account? Yes or no. Did I had to upload my resume and then also copy paste the same text into their website or their application or online form? Yes, no. Making notes of all those little minor minutia and details. Um, and then I would submit my information, of course. And then if I received an automatic email acknowledging my application, I would make a note of that when I received it and how I received it and what the message was. And then I would keep track of my next contact. So if a recruiter reached out to me or I got another email, whether it was a decline email or whether it was to set up a phone call with the recruiter, I would make note of that time difference, right? And and just keeping notes as I went along, right? So if it was, you know, if I talked to a recruiter, was it standard interview questions that was probably very HR-based, right? Tell me about a time this. Tell me about a time that. Why are you interested in this position? How did you find this position? Really kind of generic things that really had nothing to do with the actual position, right? So I would keep track of that. Um, and it was about, it wasn't a a ton of positions, um, until I found the one that I actually landed at. And as a matter of fact, through the interview process, process, I hate that word when you're talking with people, but regardless, um, the hiring manager asked me, why do you want this position? And frankly, a lot of the things that I had had at a previous position, um, somebody would scratch their head and said, you really have no incentive to leave your current position. Um, I was I was paid well. I got to work from home. Um, I had been there for quite some time. The pay benefits um, were all very good. And so they would ask, like, why do you want to leave that position? And I would tell them um, my this kind of – I probably shot, would have shot myself in the foot telling them about this candidate experience kind of research I was doing. Um, and they did look at me a little bit cross-eyed because of that, you know, maybe they're thinking they're part of that experiment or study. Um, and they were actually interested in knowing about how that went. But in all honesty, I didn't apply for a position that I didn't want or wasn't interested in. But the thing is, is that even that mentality, which I'll get into later in this show, in this episode, even the mentality of thinking, well, if I don't want this position, then I'm just wasting people's time, or it's more of a research study type of, of, of approach. And even if that is in, in genuinely the case, or, uh, organizations and the people that are in charge of finding talent for roles in that organization really need to understand that a lot of candidates are going to be driving your process and, and to the point of, maybe not even driving it, that, that may be not the, the correct word, and phrase, but essentially the days of organizations being entitled to posting a job and having people line up so that they could land a position in your organization are over. They are over. They're the ones that are that can be really reviewing you and your opportunity and what you have to offer, 
from a candidate perspective. Uh, it just drives me absolutely bonkers when hiring managers think that, well, if people don't want to come and work here, well, that's, that's their tough luck because we have the position that's open. And well, you know, I don't have time for those that aren't interested, which is the wrong approach because then you're settling for folks that may not be the top talent in the marketplace, which are usually passive candidates and that are not looking. So how, what does that mean? Right. If they're not looking and they're not interested uh, and they're not coming to you for a position groveling for an opportunity to work for your oh so gracious organization, um, that is the wrong approach. So anyways, I had about three positions that I was actually keeping track of. Um, one I applied to and honest to God, I think that was back in January of 2016. And I still have yet to get a decline email um, or any other type of follow-up. And the position I thought was posted as uh, recent as May, um, which, and, and it's funny because I've actually run into somebody from that organization at a recruiting roundtable, and I haven't approached them to say, hey, I'm just curious how you interact with your applicants because here's the experience I've had. And frankly, when I was going to go into interviews, um, and I didn't get the position, or if even if I didn't get, if I did or didn't get the position, I would share the information with them and say, "Hey, I just want you to know, here is a little bit about more more about my experience and what had occurred and when." And I thought maybe you could probably use this data um, to maybe look at process improvements or different approaches to the candidate and the candidate experience, kind of as a hey, I appreciate your time. Here's, here's the value I'm going to provide you regardless if you hire me or not. Um, here, have a nice day. Um, take it for what it's worth. Feel free to ask me any questions in hopes that that organization may actually help themselves. I don't know. Um, so anyways, let's get into the candidate experience. Why is it so important? All right. So one of the big reasons today, obviously, is because it's a candidate-driven market. Um, and with that, there comes um, the social media piece. So more and more people are becoming more and more socially savvy. And I'll give you an example. My aunt or aunt, depending on which side of the country uh, you live in here in the U.S., um, she's almost 70 uh, and she's on Facebook. Okay. Now, the fact that she's just on Facebook and, and seems to be very comfortable there updating, commenting, um, understanding it is saying quite a bit, Right. Um, millennials have grown up on social in the social media age, right? They've grown up on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, heck, e even other ones I don't even probably know about yet because I'm I'm older. The curve from power users to the average user will not be as steep, which will be empowering to Gen Xers to explore further into social for other means outside of Facebook. Okay, because I think Facebook is kind of the stepping stone. You get in there, everybody's there. This is what you do. But as people get word of other methods and other ways and other platforms to connect with other people that aren't necessarily their childhood friends, and it actually serves somewhat of a purpose to help them, it is just going to grow even more and more. And I say, and this is a perfect example, when the you know Windows 95 came out, 
uh, the Windows operating system. Before that, computers were really kind of hard to navigate. Um, typically, the more technically savvy individuals would get in there and be able to network them, troubleshoot them. And it still occurs to this day. But now that everybody has Windows in the workplace and everybody's using Windows and they're using email, that curve has leveled off and tapered off quite significantly. And it's the same thing with social. As people get more familiar with it, they'll be using it in different ways in different areas of the web. Okay. Having said that, there's a website called Glassdoor. I actually looked up Glassdoor uh, competitors and I found very few, especially within the U.S. There's some that are outside the U.S., but nonetheless, Glassdoor is the big behemoth out there. And if you're not familiar with Glassdoor.com, by all means, go out there and check it out. There is where you can find research on different organizations. Um, You can leave feedback on that organization. Maybe you worked there. Maybe you interviewed there. You can leave salary information. You can critique the company, even rating the CEO. Like, how do you rate the CEO? And then CEOs get ratings. Um, You can rate it one to five stars. You know, so why did you rate it two stars? And people can go there and find out the good and the ugly elements of a particular company. Now, companies can actually log on there, pay for a premium account, and actually comment on those maybe not so constructive or more negative reviews of the organization. But nonetheless, it is a social platform in some respect where users can go on there and state their kind of review of the company. Think of it as almost like a product review on Amazon, but it has to do with the company. Um, Maybe it's, you know, the company culture, the pay, um, how managers are, how, how managers treat their staff, the vision of the company, what the CEO's interactions are like. So like many things in life, the loudest voices are usually the ones that want to complain. Maybe to even include those that feel they were treated unfairly as an applicant or prior employee. So Glassdoor, you have to take that into consideration. But nonetheless, that is a driving factor on people becoming more social, being a candidate-driven market. People are going to look on Glassdoor and they're going to be able to choose the companies that they're interested in. All right. So because it's a candidate-driven market, the demand for highly skilled, the highly skilled, um, you'll give more options as to what opportunities are open to you. In short, you'll have more choices. Okay. Um, It's easier to research the company I mentioned. Um, when it comes to social, you wait until I'm kind of bopping around here, but um, I'm telling you, social is going to be, it is really going to impact employer of choice, employer branding. Uh, people aren't going to be, be able to turn a blind eye to what's being said about their organization because if it's really bad and negative, you're not going to attract good talent. If you don't attract good talent, your organization is going to suffer. It's going to be mediocre at best. And if you're mediocre in the in the actual marketplace as an organization, hey, you're going to be Blockbuster. You're going to be MCI WorldCom. You're going to be Enron. You, you know, insert any company that was worth multi-billions of dollars that is no longer in existence to this day. Mark my words. Anyways, so 
Uh, another thing, you know, you have glass door, wait until rate my boss comes into play. So if you haven't uh, gone to college in a long time, they actually have a website. I don't know if it's called ratemyprofessor.com, but it's, you know, put that in a Google search and college students can go on there and comment about all the professors they've ever had. And they can comment about the workload. They can comment about the grading they do. They can comment about the lectures that they perform. And it actually influences students into who they take and for what classes. That is huge, powerful stuff. My wife is a non-traditional student, and she's gone on to rate my professor and looked up some of those things. Now, she also takes some of those with a grain of salt, but at the same time, she will take a, you know, maybe there is a, a bad review of a professor. She'll still take that class. Maybe she has to. And then she'll either confirm or deny, you know, that review's spot on. And she'll know that in her head. She's like, yep, th- that's straight up. And there's the amount of reviews, right? So the more negative, it's not just a single individual, right? Because a single individual that barks, um, sure, they had a bad experience, but maybe you could you know, attribute that to somebody that maybe they just have a chip on their shoulder. But when you get a hundred people commenting on one professor or even one company and there's a trend, right? That's the key. It being a trend amongst more than just a few people that becomes an issue. Uh, so anyways, how is this all going to affect everything? Obviously, inevitably it's going to affect the talent your organization attracts and obtains. So While it hasn't been the case for some time, jobs are no longer driven by the organization. Hiring is not driven by the organization. Yes, vacancies, of course, retention, attrition, things of that nature are going to play a role. But the days of saying, well, we need somebody, we're going to put a posting out there and we're going to have 200 people to filter through and we're going to get an awesome candidate, it is not the case anymore. So managers and organizations really need to understand this. Their sense of entitlement is gone. It's gone. Uh, Candidates are going to share this info from social media and Glassdoor with other people, which will even exacerbate the hard-to-find talent problem. So don't even think of the the single person that's barking out loud that it's a negative uh, experience or a negative... uh, negative comments on Glassdoor, but now they're going to not only put it out there, but anytime somebody applies to the position or whispers your organization, if that person's around, they're going to say, don't apply there. They're, they don't get back to you. Uh, I, I applied there years ago, never heard from them, or I went through the interview process. It was atrocious. You know, I got asked the same questions by three different people all within an hour and a half. Don't go there. It's a waste of your time. And if they're close personal friends, that person's going to hold quite a bit of water, right? It's not an anonymous review that they read off a glass door. They know this individual. It's going to be some powerful stuff. and It's definitely going to impact organizations, and it has been. It has been. This is not new. What I'm talking about today is not something that just started. But however, it's going to grow even more uh, as a factor in attracting good talent. How to improve the candidate experience. There's a few ways, Um, and they're really not that hard. Customer service goes a long ways. I mean, I know how many times I've ordered something, um, and it wasn't, you know, maybe it was out of stock. Um, I got something that was broken. I reached out to the company. They got to me quickly. 
Um, they re- I actually had a Bluetooth keyboard I ordered. It didn't work. Before I actually commented on Amazon, I got an email from the organization, the company that shipped me the Bluetooth keyboard, be- like just saying, hey, we shipped you a Bluetooth keyboard. We want to know how it went. How's it going? And I'm like, not good. It doesn't work. Well, let us send you a replacement. No questions asked. Keep the one that you have. Before I even hit the keyboard and said, this thing sucks. So now it went from, you know, a one-star review on Amazon to, you know what? This may, I may, I may give them four stars if I get the new keyboard and it works fine. Yes, it was a snafu, but they were proactive in fixing the problem. And that's a customer service thing that also recruiters and organizations need to understand. So making things easier is one step um, into improving the candidate experience. Submitting their inf that I mean that includes submitting their information online, not having to do it twice. Double entry sucks. Um, that includes putting the resume up there and then inputting the job history. That's the same thing that's on your resume. I mean, come on. I like apply with LinkedIn. It's great, but candidates, you got to have your LinkedIn profile fully fleshed out because when you import it, it's going to be in there. Some people don't have it as fleshed out as their resume. So just something to keep in mind if you're applying through the one click uh, apply with LinkedIn type of feature that some websites have out there. Allow candidates interested in your organization to get job alerts so they're, they're easier to find. So just keep the easy. Is it easy to apply? Is it easier to find your opportunities? Scheduling. Is it easy to schedule? Um, it's, a, it's a do it when and how it's convenient for me world. Right. Let me elaborate on that a little bit. Back in the 80s, 70s, my dad would go to work. He'd come home four o'clock, uh, maybe take a nap until about five. He'd eat dinner around five o'clock, tune in. You'd have to, you know, you'd eat at five because that's when you ate dinner. And then six o'clock news would come on. He'd turn on the news, watch that for a half hour, then watch his lineup of shows. News would come on at 1030 and then he'd watch the Johnny Carson show. That was kind of routine almost every day, Monday through Friday, right? And he had to do it that way because, you know, that was the only way he could consume the information and the the things that he wanted, like the television shows and the news, even the newspaper. If he got up in the morning, he'd get the newspaper off the stoop, sit down, read the newspaper, that day's news or the previous day's news, and then throw it away, rinse, repeat next day. Now it is not like that. Now we can get what we want, when we want, how we want it, right? We can go online, we can DVR, we can watch it whenever we want and uh, get it through a variety of different ways, right? Maybe my wife likes the newspapers. I like the internet. She likes to wait a couple days. I like to do it immediately. So I tune into Twitter. Same thing with candidates, scheduling. Allow them to schedule themselves. If you can do self-scheduling, implement that. Have them, you know, it, 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 one, it's a lot easier than going back and forth trying to find a mutual time. So if you open yourself up as a recruiter to a lot of different times during the week and you just send them an email and say, hey, look, you're, you're a very busy person. I understand that. I'm not going to make you conform to my schedule, but I obviously have to give you some openings. So here is my entire week. Please pick a half hour out of these time slots that will work best for you. And if that doesn't work, please let me know and I will make accommodations so that we can talk. Man, that's, that's huge, right? It's not in the recruiter's ballpark. It's in the person, the candidate's actual ballpark, right? It's on them. It empowers them. 
They're like, wow, that's great. They're looking out for my convenience. Job postings, make them more understandable. As my buddy Lou Adler, if you don't know Lou Adler, he's a big, uh, he's, he's got about three books out and then he speaks on recruiting. Um, I just saw him speak in Milwaukee uh, about a week ago. And thanks to Titus uh, Talent Strategies, by the way. A, he looks at things as a performance-based job posting versus skill-based, right? So the job postings that talk about must know Microsoft Active Directory, must know Exchange, have experience doing this, that, whatever, these skills. Instead of doing that, write a posting about what the person is going to be doing and how how they will be measured in that role. So that's the performance-based type of job posting. You know, it's going to be, hey, come in and we need you to come in and uh, handle our active directory structure for a 3,000-person organization. You're going to be the sole person responsible for this platform, Um, making things more efficient, using PowerShell to streamline scripts, blah, 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 blah you know, making things easier for everybody. This is what your job is going to be about versus, oh, you got to have three years of that, four years of this. Must be exceptional skills in that. Because the thing is with Lou, you don't measure an individual based on their skills. You measure them based on their performance. So post a job that's going to tell them what they're going to be measured on. Because you're going to have people that are awesome performers, but don't have all the skills, right? And you're going to have crappy performers have all the skills. So they don't want to align. So anyways, go into the job postings, make them understandable and make them, make it understandable to the candidate. Holy cow. I mean, there's job postings that are out there and they go through the interview process and they're like, you know, candidates, I don't even know if this is the same job I applied to. Maybe the recruiters got the information wrong from the hiring manager. So make that really nice and good and consistent and easy to understand. Another way to keep uh, the candidate experience positive one is keep the candidates informed. Keep them informed. Recruiters informing the candidates the status of their application. Wouldn't that be awesome? I apply to a position. I can see the recruiter actually working with my file or not and moving me along or not. You know, have a company that does an automated email that says, I actually have this company. Have an automated email that says, we'll contact you should your application be considered. Basically, it's a don't call us, we'll call you. Is that ridiculous? Completely ridiculous in today's times. It should be just say, thank you for you know applying. We're going to contact, we're going to let you know how that goes as soon as there's an update, good or bad. Keep it, keep it general just in case because they may not be qualified for your role. But to just submit your information and say, hey, we, we, we may call you, we may not. That is, that is unacceptable. Um, Status updates, the social media. Maybe you want to tweet job updates. I actually brought this up to a social media expert, a uh, friend of mine, associate of mine. And I said, yeah, on Twitter I used to put, and it's something I've kind of fallen short on lately, but I used to put job updates. So I'd tweet the job and I would name the job with a hashtag. And if somebody applied to that job, they could subscribe to the hashtag. And I could just create updates like, hey, I'm going through applicants today. I'm going to move people through. If you haven't been contacted, more than likely you're going to get the email soon that says uh, we need to move on other candidates. Appreciate you applying. At least then they're going to be know what's going on um, as time lapses. Just an idea. Uh, Fisher cut bait. No back burners. Have uh, hiring managers every once in a while say, 
yeah, I don't want to decline him just yet. I want to look at a few other candidates. No, there is no on hold. There is no back burner. It's either, yes, you want to move forward with them or no, they are not going to be a fit for the role. Let's let them know. And frankly, candidates will respect you more. They don't like being dragged out. They don't like being put on the back burner. That's ridiculous. Let them get on with their lives. Let's just let them know right away or as quickly as possible so they can make adjustments to what they need to do. So they're not waiting on some hope that they're going to get a call from your organization. It's ridiculous. In easy instructions. So when you do um, bring individuals in or you're going to talk to them over the phone, make the instructions easy on how to get to your location for the interview or what that looks like. Okay. Sometimes it can be a little tricky. Make sure it's very clear. Do not send them five attachments, uh, maybe a, a map to where they need to park in the building, who to ask for at the, if there's a security desk, um, and then who's going to meet them, and et cetera, right? Um, let them know how long interviews will last and who they will be meeting with or speaking with. So when I send them an email as a recruiter and I send a candidate an email and say, hey, we want to do a phone interview or phone screen, it's going to be with just me. Um, we're going to talk about you and your background and experience and what you're looking for. And I can answer any questions that you have, but essentially go here, schedule a time and then expect 30 minutes and you're going to be speaking with me over the phone. Okay. I wasn't absolutely clear with the over phone piece. And I've had people show up to my office at the time of their phone interview. And I'm like, whoa, I need to make that very, very clear. So now I actually highlight it. I will be contacting you over the phone at the number that you submitted to us. And I highlight that. When it's a face-to-face, even after the phone interview, if I say, hey, look, here's the next steps, I tell them, if we want to move forward, here are the next steps. You're going to be meeting with probably two or three people. Here are the, here's who they are. And if it's not defined at that point, it is going to be defined when I email them or I reach out to them via phone and ask them to come in for a face-to-face. And I tell them the timeline, right? So when they just put yourself in the, in the other person's shoes and in the candidate's shoes, the more they know, the more at ease they will be. Interviewing and the job application process is nerve-wracking enough. Let's put their nerves at ease with giving as much info as, as we can. You know, you're going to be meeting with this person. They're the hiring manager. That's their, this is their title. Here's the three other people. Here's their relationship to this position or even the hiring manager. It's a peer of the hiring manager. This is the hiring manager supervisor. So when they're talking to them, they can actually take a certain voice with that individual and, and convey the information in a way that is important to that person at that, at that level. And it'll also allow them to set time aside in their calendar. So if they know it's going to be two and a half hours, they know that they're going to be out two and a half hours. They're going to have to maybe plan for you know, the commute. So now they're going to take three hours out of their time to come uh, and interview with your team. That's really important. Elaborate on the organization and the position, right? So the job posting is out there. Now you got to really put on your marketing hat as a recruiter and let them know what the organization is about and the position. It's going to be key to landing talent and keeping you out of the offer coming down to simply salary. Help managers are going to need help with this. There's no question about it. So basically, you're going to talk about why your organization is really awesome, why the position is really a great opportunity for them. 
Lou, my buddy Lou, thinks that whenever somebody moves to another position, they should get a 30% increase. However, that 30% increase is not always in compensation, right? There's got to be things that appeal to the candidate, right, that increases that uh, where they are now. Maybe their relationship with their supervisor is not that great. It's going to be better here. Maybe their hours are going to be better. Maybe they're going to be leading a team or you know, maybe their team is going to be bigger. Maybe there's a bigger scope and responsibilities. And then when you add all that up, maybe you do give them a 5% bump in salary. Maybe it's 10%, but the rest is the 20%, making up that full 30, giving them an incentive to move to your organization and take your opportunity. It's going to be big. Now, keep in mind, when you do market your information to the candidate, it's, you still got to remember it is about them. You need to get the information about what they're looking for, what they're not looking for in, in an opportunity. So it doesn't always come down to just salary. Okay. Of course, the last one, treat them well. Ah, oh, this is a no-brainer, right? Treat people well, but we don't often. Um, and I, I should say even like, okay, treat them good, but treat them even better. Um, when they come in to meet with you, offer them water or coffee. I mean, it's really that simple. Would you like a water or want a coffee? Welcome to the company. You know, give them a tour of the organization if you can. Make sure you're interested in them. It's easy to forego that when you're marketing the organization or the role, as I previously mentioned. Keep in mind it's about them and their needs. Listen to them. It's easy to ask them and get that down on paper, but actually listen to them. What is it that is wanting that they're wanting to leave their current organization? Right? Those are pain points that you can use later down the road so that when you market to them um, or when you go to that offer piece, you can say, hey, I know you were looking for this or looking for that. We're going to offer that to you. Hiring managers need to put that in the interview process themselves. It's also a, it's a good way to you know, match people up with opportunities. And I'll give you another example. I had a referral from a hiring manager, and he said, hey, here's this guy. We'll call him uh, Guy. I know Guy. Guy wants to move. Um, I think he's really awesome. Reach out to him. So I interview Guy, and Guy talks to me, and I'm like, oh, okay, Guy. You know, I don't know. Um, let me get your information. Got, you know, talked about them, what they're looking for. And routed over to a few hiring managers. I go by my referral, who is another IT manager, and I say, "Hey, I spoke to Guy," and he says, "Oh yeah, I should talk to you about him." And I said, "What? What's up?" And he said, "Well, I was talking to Guy the other day," and I said, "Yeah." And I asked him how his day was going to go, and guys, Guy responded, "Oh, it's going to be a hectic day. I got like two meetings." One's probably going to take me all the way to noon. I can't stand meetings. It drives me absolutely bonkers. I'm not going to get anything done today, right? Well, how often do you have those meetings? Oh, probably once a quarter. Otherwise, it's, it's not very often. Oh, good to know, right? Because our culture is all about meetings. You know, we have hiring managers that are in meetings from eight until five every day. So if I took Guy and put, us, put him in our environment, He's going to be miserable. And I actually told Guy that. Here's the deal. You got some good skills. Um, we may have an opportunity for you. But if you want to be at this particular level, you're going to be in a lot of meetings. And if that's not something that you like, it's just not going to be a good culture fit for you. Let me just call it a day. 
wouldn't you agree? And at that point, they actually do agree. And it's, it's good that way, right? Because you're looking out for their well-being. Um, be timely with phone interviews. Holy cow. Another story, right? I'm all full of stories today. Uh, I had an individual reach out to me on LinkedIn, a recruiter, big firm. Says, hey, I got this uh, position. Are you interested? I said, yeah, let's talk. So we talk over the phone. Um, but at first, he, he schedules the phone call, um, gives me a time. The time comes around, I nothing. I didn't get a phone call. I call him. I don't get a hold of him. It's, I get his voicemail. Literally a half hour after the call was to take place, I get a message that says, hey, Sean, sorry about that. I got pulled into a last-minute meeting. Uh, and I'm like, okay, it happens, right? It's corporate America. I've had it happen to my myself, and I've had to cancel on candidates. It's unfortunate, but it, it you know, priorities, you know, it sucks. Um, but I try to get to the candidate right away and let them know. Now that happened to me like twice. There was another one where uh, I called again. The person was late, you know, fifteen minutes late on a thirty-minute phone interview. And eventually got to the point where I said, look, you know, I'm just going to withdraw. Uh, I'm not interested in the opportunity at this point. Hey, appreciate the time, appreciate the consideration, but it just doesn't sound like this is going to align well. Because uh, you can't even take the time to talk to me. Why do I think it's going to get better? I mean, this is the initial impression this person is putting on me to come and work for a client of theirs. They have to be from a staffing firm um, placing recruiters at another company. And I'm like, yeah, that's... I'm done with that. Greet them on their first day. Another one. Uh, I have it in my calendar on Mondays to go where everybody meets for their first day orientation, you know, get their security badge pictures done, what have, or what have you. And I'm going to go there. And the funny thing is, is I can go there and greet the people I've actually met over the phone or maybe face to face in an interview. Say, Hey, welcome aboard. Glad you can make it. Found the place. Great. Awesome. You know, give them the warm fuzzy. They are new to the organization, right? It's like, Reach back into the days of if you've ever changed schools when you were a child, nerve wracking, don't know anybody, don't know where your classes are. Maybe you even go from junior high to high school. You don't know where any of your classes are. There's a lot of different people around. Your best friend isn't in the class that you're going to. Man, there's always nice to see a welcome face. Like, oh, that's Sean. Awesome. That's great. And not only that, but I can introduce myself to the other applicants or the other hires that maybe some of my peers have done. And I can introduce myself to them and say, Hey, by the way, I'm Sean. I hire for it in our project management office. Um, and if you know anybody that you'd like to, to work with, by all means, send them my information and I'd love to have them come over and work with you. Great, great resource and, and way to get referrals, uh, making my job even easier. And then, um, I actually, and then there was this other one, don't make it awkward, right? Uh, so when you're networking, which I've done, uh, don't, don't, a don't ask the person, what are we doing here? What's going on? Play hardball. You're probably getting thrown by my approach on this, but I actually had an individual, um, it was like a branch manager level. I talked to him. He said, Hey, you know what? Maybe I'll meet. It sounds like you're kind of on the fence. Um, potentially, why don't we just have you meet with the team? meet with the team, get to know them, get some feedback, kind of go from there. What do you, what do you say? I'm like, yeah, by all means. And if worst case scenario, I'm not interested, or maybe you guys don't think it's going to be a good fit. 
Um, at least then I know three people from your organization that are networked and they'll know me and how I work. And I literally went to lunch with a team of three people, uh, two of which kind of kind of stood idly by um, while one took over the conversation. He was kind of the, the manager of the local office. And literally, I'm not kidding, at least twice, two times in the conversation where it was just like, hey, good to meet you. Appreciate you guys taking the time. Um, you know, obviously I met with your, or I talked to your, you know, the branch manager and they thought it would be good to meet with you guys. Um, so I appreciate you taking the time. I actually, no kidding, not less than twice in the whole conversation for the hour, the, the individual asked me, so what are we doing here? Right. Why are we talking? Why are we meeting? Help me understand this. Right. And to me, I had to explain him twice. First of all, it's a networking opportunity. Secondly, I may be interested in coming to work for you guys, but if you keep asking me and grilling me about this and you don't actually understand that, I think we're going to have a problem. Uh, I did, obviously didn't take that opportunity. It really, whether it presented itself or not, I did give the feedback to the branch manager and just felt like, you know, if I had to explain how this worked to the individual that manages an office, um, it's a disconnect there. But anyways, that uh, those are a few things on the candidate experience, and we could we could go on for probably another couple hours on all of what it entails. But basically, I firmly believe that it is going to be a deciding factor in how people find positions in their job search in the future. And if you do not understand this and you do not heed it, um, your organization is going to suffer. Um, and it's really going over to social media. And then also, when you do get good people that are working for you and you, they can get, you can get them to comment out there on social media and Glassdoor, that's going to help you attract talent as well. Wow, that really cut out short. I'm not sure why. Anyways, so what it comes down to is treat people well because even if you decline them in the end, as long as you're keeping up good communication, good updates, you're sincere, you know, you're honest, and they've been well-informed, even feedback being constructive, they they may say they may be disappointed that they didn't get the role, but they won't have bad things to say about you and the organization and how you went about them going through the candidate experience at your organization. I'm telling you, it's going to be key, folks. On behalf of Talent Jockey, this is Sean, your host. I appreciate you tuning in and listening to the episode. And if you could do me one favor, just let somebody else know that I exist out here talking to the airwaves, um, and hopefully they'll get some value out of it. Otherwise, keep it real, and I look forward to the next topic we talk about. Have a good day.